Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. If you missed hour one, you can always go and listen to it at myfaithradio.com. Or if you just subscribe to the podcast, then, um, you know, it'll be populated there for you every day when you have time to listen to it later. So go ahead and subscribe to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge anywhere you get your podcast. So there's been a survey done, um, the Associated Press, NORC, Center for Public Affairs Research, and the American Press Institute have done a survey of um, young people. So young people here are defined as those age 16 to 40. So yeah, from my perspective, those are the young people today. Um, But that does cut across two different sort of generational segments. There are the millennials, who would be that 26 to 40 group. And then that younger group um, are a part of generation or Gen Z, Generation Z, which really does extend down to like, I don't know, kids age 10 through, um, you know, through people who are like 25. So it's the older range of Gen Z that um, that is surveyed here and and then the entirety of the millennial generation. And so in this survey, what they were looking for is, are people getting news every day? And if so, where are they getting it? And how do they feel about it? So that's what um, they were looking, uh, the questions they were looking to answer. And here's what they discovered. Um, yeah, people are following news. Young people are following the news um, every single day. Their sources are largely social media, um, not what you would you and I would consider traditional media outlets. That's not a surprise to me. Um, so... of these people get their news every single day from social media. Um, And their social media diet is pretty varied. Um, Many of them still getting their news from Facebook, although that trends to that older group. So millennials still getting much of their news from Facebook. But as you look at the answers provided by those in the younger generation or Gen Z, they are getting the majority of their information from YouTube and Instagram, and then um, a quarter uh, from TikTok, Snapchat, and Twitter combined. So um, they're gathering information. They're just not gathering it from the same sources that you might be gathering your information from. They're probably not listening to this broadcast, and they're probably not listening to this as a podcast. They are getting their information, um, their news in particular, from social media. And they say that they recognize that on social media, much of what they get is misinformation um, or siloed or skewed information. They recognize it as a major problem, um, and they they recognize they have been exposed to misinformation themselves. Um, And how do they feel about it? Not good. Not good. Most of them do not um, feel good about uh, the news that they are encountering every single day, Um, through their particular media diet. And they say they're not enjoying talking with family and friends about the news. So 
since that's what we're about here on Mornings with Carmen, bringing the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news of the day in order that we as Christians can actually walk out our faith um, into the conversations of the day, I thought it was important to surface this. I wonder what percentage of these young Americans, uh, in this case, 16 to 40, what percentage of them would say they're getting good news every day? Are they getting the good news every day? I mean, they're interested in the good news, but are they getting it? If 71% of young Americans are getting their news every day from social media, are they getting the good news there as well? Are we presenting the good news on social media? If 40% um, are on Facebook and, and, and the overwhelming majority of the younger generation gets their news from YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, Snapchat, and Snapchat, then are we presenting the good news on those platforms? Like, are we engaged there? If we recognize that they're getting mis- misinformation or bad news in those places, are we making sure that there's a counter narrative available as well? Are they getting the good news there? And to the question of enjoying conversations with family and friends about the news, do we make our conversations about the good news enjoyable so that people would want to talk with us about the things of Jesus? Yeah, we could be applying the mind of Christ um, to this headline as well. Hey, Jason Thacker is going to join us next. We're going to talk about his brand new book, Following Jesus in a Digital Age, which connects to this conversation right, uh, right here and right now about social media and the news and information provided there and how we engage with it as Christians. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Jason Thacker serves as chair of research and technology, ethics, and director of the Research Institute at the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. He also serves as an adjunct instructor of philosophy, ethics, and worldview at Boyce College in Louisville, Kentucky. He's the author of a number of books, um, the one we're talking about today, Following Jesus in the Digital Age. Jason, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, good morning, Carmen. Thanks for having me. Jesus is in the digital age. Definitely. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about, um, you know, the Bible doesn't address um, like digital social media, but the Bible addresses technology. And we as Christians um, have a place in the digital age. And and that's really what your book is talking about. So invite us in. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think often when we think of kind of the digital age and we think of a lot of the technologies and challenges that we face today, we often think they're disconnected from our faith. Or at best, the Bible doesn't really address those things. So we don't, maybe there's some wise or good paths forward, but by and large, there aren't a lot of biblical principles that we can apply to the digital age. And I think that couldn't, couldn't be furthest from the truth. Because reality is, is that we're all being discipled. We're all being shaped and formed in very particular ways. It always reminds me of Romans 12, too, where Paul writes, do not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed. He assumes we're going to be conformed to this world. Well, we live in a digital age. So naturally, the things around us, the tools that we have, our phones, our smartphones, our wearables, our computers, they're going to be shaping us and forming us in very particular ways. And I think the Bible is very clear about not being conformed to this world, but being transformed. And so as Christians, when we think about what does it mean to follow Jesus in a digital age, we need to be able to slow down ask some of the hard questions. What is technology? How is it forming and shaping me? How is it discipling me? And how I view God? 
how I view myself and how I view the world around me, including my neighbors. And to ask some of those hard questions as we press into a lot of the big challenges that we face, whether it's issues of misinformation, conspiracy theories, and fake news, whether it's issues of kind of curation and the algorithms that form and shape the, the things that we're exposed to each day, or in many ways, uh, the way we form our identities today. Um, especially online with platform culture and influencers and kind of trying to build a certain, I kind of identify with a particular tribe amidst a lot of the polarization of the day. I think we need to think deeply about the way technology is shaping us. All right. It's possible that Jason just used some words um, or referred to some things that are not familiar to you. Um, and that's okay. Like, right, we are in the process of learning about what's happening in the digital world and in digital um, technology and social media. And so it's okay if there are some things that Jason just said that you're like, I I don't even know what that is. That's okay. Um, Because the book helps explain those things as well. So following Jesus in the digital age. And if you already know you want a copy, we're giving some away. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. Jason, um, I think that uh, a lot of people find this such an intimidating um, subject matter area that they just avoid it. They'll just say, yeah. you know what, that's for the young people. That's, um, you know, that's, that's going on for a different generation. I don't need yeah. to be engaged in the digital age, and my church certainly doesn't need to be engaged in the digital age. Um, could you, um, <clears throat> dis- you know, dissuade us from that particular view? Yeah, it's very, it's understandable in many ways. It always reminds me of, um, I was talking to a friend one time and they talked about, well, you know, my grandmother um, is not on social media. She's not on a computer. She's not on Facebook or anything like that. Uh, But he was saying that she's still very much formed and shaped and discipled and kind of the way she sees the world around her is formed by Facebook. And I was like, how does that even make sense? And he said, reality is, is that when she comes out to hang out with her friends in kind of the common area of the nursing home, um, her friends are saying, did you see this on Facebook? And so it's it's almost inescapable. We cannot really kind of isolate or distance ourselves from a lot of the technologies of our day, from social media and computers and all of these type of uh, technologies that we're dealing with each day. So we can't really isolate. So then we have to ask the question, what does our faith have to do with these technologies? How do we think biblically about navigating and following Christ in the digital age? And so that's exactly why I wrote this book. Uh, this book is written for the everyday believer. Um, if there are are big words they're described and kind of unpacked a little bit to help us understand the nature of what's going on here and connecting our faith with a lot of the big questions and challenges we're facing today. And that was really my heart behind this book is to say, look, we're all being shaped and formed by the way we use technology and the things we're being exposed to. So how do we take hold of those things and follow Christ as we're facing a lot of these big challenges today? All right, we're talking with Jason Thacker. We're talking about his brand new book, Following Jesus in a Digital Age. One of the things you will love and appreciate about it is that it's little. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I love that it's a little book. I mean, it's not like a little, little book, but it's um, it's brief and it's, um, it's very accessible. Um, we are giving away copies today, so if you want to enter the drawing for those, just text the word book to 877-933-2484. Jason and I will be right back. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. 
Facebook.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation with Jason Thacker, we're talking about his new book, Following Jesus in a Digital Age. Um, Jason, um, you know, you're a church guy, you're a husband, you're a dad, you are a college professor. Um, Talk a little bit with us about these conversations, you know, across the communities with which we engage. You know, this is a a conversation that has to take place in our homes with our kids, um, sometimes in accountability with one another. Like, this is a relational conversation. This isn't just like me and the internet. This is... This is a relational conversation as well. Yeah, it kind of gets back to what we talked about earlier about the ways technology is forming and shaping us and discipling us in many ways is often contrary to our faith. And it's altering our view of God. It's altering our view of our neighbor and our family. And it's altering kind of the way we understand ourselves even. And it's really all hit home to me. And one of the things that kind of uh, sparked and pushed me along to write a book like this um, was actually sitting on my couch um, playing with my son. So we have two kids. We have a four-year-old and a five-year-old. And a few years ago, I remember my oldest walking into the other room. Now, dad had tried to have better technology habits. I had been kind of on my phone all day. So I'd put my phone in the other room. And as I was sitting there playing with him, he got up from where we were and went into the other room, got my phone and brought it to me and said, hey, dad, you need this. And maybe he didn't mean anything by it, but the Lord used that moment to say, look, he's seeing me view the world through my phone where I'm always on my phone. I'm, I'm disconnected. I'm isolated. I'm uh, not always connecting with my wife or my kids or those around me and even in my church at times. And so that was really convicting for me. And it started to say, how am I seeing the world through these devices or how is my kids, how are they seeing dad use these technologies? Because as, as we said earlier, you can't really disconnect from technology Uh, Maybe some of us won't have smartphones or some of us won't have uh, social media or particular devices and services, but we live in a larger culture of technology. And so I think it's wise for us to slow down and ask some of the hard questions about what is technology? What does the Bible say about technology? And what is our faith? um, How do we bring our faith to bear on a lot of the big questions of the day? Because whether it's in the college classroom or in our churches— Technology is everywhere, and people are asking questions about technology, and I think it's high time for Christians to step in and to think biblically about these tools and how they're forming and shaping us. Okay, so I want to ask you a super practical question about yeah. um, a new you know, social media app, new, new to many people, and it's called Be Real. Mm-hmm. And we talked with Chris Martin about it last week, and we've talked with him about it on prior occasions, and it's really like exploding among teenagers. And so, um, you know, Be Real pushes pushes out this demand that in the next um, 120 seconds, so you have two minutes to to take the picture uh, forward face. You know, it's going to show people not only you in that moment, but it's going to show where you are and what's in front of you in that moment. And so I asked this question of you as a college professor. I asked this question of you as a person who preaches in churches and gives counsel to pastors when the Be Real app sends out that push during your class, 
or during a sermon. And those young people have 120 seconds. Like they're go- you are going to be in the frame. You are going to be what's on the other side of, uh, you know, of the where where they are, what they're doing in that moment. Um, and you you may wonder why simultaneously every young person in the in the room picks up their phone and is taking a picture not only of themselves, but of you, because that's mm-hmm. what's happening with the Be Real app. And yeah. so. So first of all, just respond to that in terms of, you know, when that happens, but also address the privacy and exposure concerns related to that. Yeah, there's a host of issues kind of connected to that. I'll just say first and foremost, um, while I appreciate some of the things through the Be Real app in terms of a lot of the ways that we kind of frame up things and we kind of portray ourselves as particular uh, people online with particular interests. And, you know, you've always seen the Instagrammers, they say Instagram versus real life. It's always mm-hmm. really funny to see this beautiful image or this beautiful video. And then in real life, there's hundreds of people around them and they're, they've taken this video 10, 15 times. So I appreciate certain things about the Be Real app, but I think it kind of reveals this larger problem. In the sense that in many ways we're being formed and shaped and even pushed along and encouraged by our technologies to do things in the moment. So, I mean, I'll tell you just a practical thing for my classroom. When I'm teaching college students, we're talking about philosophy, worldview, theology. We're thinking about the way we view the world and how to capture that for Christ. We have, I have a technology policy in my class that says you can't have your phones out. And if you're starting to use your phones or your devices or even your computers uh, to do things other than just simply take notes, we'll lose technology in the classroom. And a lot of people think that's super heavy handed. But what it does is it reminds us that the here and now is what's most important, what's right in front of us. Um, I think often we see ourselves kind of through these devices, portraying ourselves online, connecting with other people while we're missing out on the people right in front of us. And I think those are some of the lies that technology tells us, that we need to be always connected. We need more information. That's what's going to solve our problems. That's going to make everything easier. But really the question, again, is to slow down because technology is causing it to go faster, faster, faster and always stay connected. And we're simply not made for that. That's not how God created us. He created us not only for relationship with him and Jesus' words to love God, but also relationships with others, to love others as ourselves. And so I think one of the temptations for us is we need to uh, slow down in the midst of this ever-increasing kind of digital age, to slow down, ask some of these hard questions, and prioritize loving God and loving neighbors as ourselves, which is really the core of the entire New Testament and the entirety of God's Word, is to love God and love our neighbors as ourselves. And so as Christians, how do we think about some of these topics? How do we think about a lot of the pressing challenges with social media, etc.? And that's what I hope to do in the book. Yeah, there's a difference between, you know, snapping a picture um, of uh, of a person in distress uh, and posting it on social media and seeking to to, you know, to raise public concern about it and actually going and talking to the person in distress and seeing how you could render aid in the moment. Right. I mean, I I think that there's, um, you know, the I I guess the slacktivism approach, right, That, that I've because I hashtagged it and posted it on my social media, I've done something about it. Um, and that's not true. And Christians, um, Christians should certainly know better. All right. Um, we've probably got time for one more question. Um, but the book is excellent and you guys should get it. Following Jesus in a Digital Age. We are giving away copies today. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, give us some encouragement today for people who are overwhelmed and discouraged. You see hope. You see hope for the church in the digital age. 
Yeah, ultimately, I'm an optimist, and the reason I am is because I'm a Christian. When you think of Revelation 20 and 21, Jesus is sitting on the throne. He is victorious. He has defeated death. That's the hope of the gospel. That's what we believe as Christians. And so when we think about the ways technology is forming and shaping us, we can remember that not only is technology, can it be a good gift from God to be utilized to love God and love our neighbor, but a lot of the challenges and fears we face, they don't have to overwhelm us. They don't have to overcome us um, because Jesus has already overcome death. He's already had the final victory. The, st the end of the story has already been written. And so a lot of the challenges we face, which may seem overwhelming in the moment, when we take that kind of eternal perspective, I think it can help us to shape and think about uh, these tools in better ways to cultivate biblical wisdom, which is what I try to do throughout the book about not only what we believe, but also what do we do and recapturing that kind of holistic understanding of navigating a lot of the challenges uh, because God is more than faithful uh, to not only equip us, to, but to uh, make us steadfast in the midst of a lot of the challenges we face today as we seek to love Christ and to follow Jesus in a digital age. Hey, Jason, we appreciate how you um, teach and lead us at this intersection of technology and faith. Um, appreciate what you do at the ERLC and certainly appreciate the gift of this new book and the conversation today. The book is Following Jesus in a Digital Age. You can find uh, Jason Thacker online. It's probably pretty simple. I don't have it right in front of me. Is it just jasonthacker.com? Yep, just jasonthacker.com. <laughs> I love it. All right. Hey, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Have you ever um, heard or maybe said, oh, I'd love to change places with them. I'd love to have their life. Um, I want you to consider for a moment that we don't really know what's going on in those pretty houses with those pretty people. Don't assume that people aren't facing challenges in what looks to you like a charmed life. Um, once you scratch even just beneath the surface, there's pain out there and it's real. There are challenges, and they are significant. You likely would not trade places with somebody if you actually knew the reality they were facing. Matt Hammett is going to join us next. When you um, imagine what the life of the former lead singer of Sanctus Real um, must be like, you might think, I'd trade, I'd, I'd trade places with him in a minute. He's going to join us next to talk about his son, Bowen, and the new film that he's been working on called Bowen's Heart. We're going to talk about the realities of life. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Just hold on to the promises. You may recognize the name of Matt Hammett. He's a Grammy-nominated Christian rock artist, formerly of the band Sanctus Real. Um, and we are celebrating with him today the release of his new film, Bowen's Heart. It's a feature-length documentary that follows the story of um, his then eight-year-old son, Bowen. Um, Matt, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, Carmen. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you uh, letting me come on and talk about this. Oh, absolutely. Um, here's here's where I'd like to begin. Take us back. I'd like to go back to like 2010. 
So Sanctus Real releases its fifth album, Pieces of a Real Heart. Um, you are singing, you're recording songs, you're touring with the band. What was life like uh, in 2010? Yeah, so 2010, you know, when Pieces of a Real Heart came out, there was so much energy around that release and so much excitement just from the band. And we were already getting just a lot of excitement from even radio, just on the songs that we had. And the interesting thing was, you know, the when you mentioned the name of the album, Pieces of a Real Heart, you know, on the front, it's got this like tattered mm-hmm. heart uh, made of like scraps of paper and such. And what I didn't know is that one month later, Sarah and I, my wife would go in um, for a 20 week ultrasound for our third baby and find out that the girls were getting a little brother, which was, they were like begging for and praying for. So which was really cool. Um, but we also found out that day that our little boy only had half of his heart. And so that year was a, a real tension, you know, cause I'm out on the road, lead me's hitting the radio. Um, and mm-hmm. This song about, you know, family and being a good husband, being a good father, um, relying on God's strength to do that. And then in the midst of it, like I'm having to basically navigate this incredibly difficult, uh, you know, experience with my family of knowing we have a child who has this disease, hypoplastic left heart. And from April to September, you know, we're out there doing these summer festivals, but while I'm home during the weeks, we're at all these meetings with specialists and doctor's offices trying to figure out what our life is going to look like, knowing that, you know, short of a miracle, that it, our lives are going to change. Um, so it was a really difficult time for us, but, um, you know, it was also a time where we had to learn how to really kind of just blindly trust because there was nothing we could do besides wait and pray. So talk with us um, about Bowen um, when he's really little, the challenges along the way, how um, having a child with a serious illness, um, in Bowen's case, a chronic illness, like how does that impact the entire family? This is just this is not something that the child goes through alone or even just the parents like everybody is affected by this. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So. Bowen was born September 9th, 2010, and that first six months of his life, four of it, we spent in the hospital. So I'm trying to navigate, you know, how do we deal with the band schedule? How do I be home as much as possible? What do we cancel? So work, the work tensions of, you know, how do we still provide during this time and me still be available for my family? And then for Sarah, obviously, is Mama Bear, you know, just navigating being in the hospital with him pretty much all the time for that four months, pretty much sleeping in the hospital. And then the kids, right? The other siblings who are living 45 minutes away from the hospital with grandma and grandpa um, and friends. And the it, it just was such a strain on the whole family in so many different ways. And, um, the tension and the, and the grief you're dealing with as well, you know, even just with our marriage for Sarah and I, like there's a lot of grief that goes along with these sorts of things that, that we had to deal with. So it is a, a really challenging experience. Uh, it was for us. And I know it is for all the families who go through this. 
So again, we're talking with Matt Hammett. Um, we are talking about uh, a new film called Bowen's Heart. It's a feature-length documentary that follows the story of Bowen. He's eight, year, eight years old in the film, um, and it, it chronicles um, the experience of his third major open-heart surgery. Talk with us a little bit about the film, um, how this came to be, and what's the purpose of it? Yep. So in those early days, we had almost 6 million people visit our blog, Bowen's Heart. Um, and a lot of that thanks to radio stations that were willing to pray for us and to spread the word. And we got so much support. But, you know, through all of it, as it has continued on, we just had to continue to make difficult decisions with his health and navigate um, the different seasons of this disease. And when he was about to uh, have his third surgery, actually, when we were making that decision to have his last surgery, um, because we, we kind of determined that timeline. Number one, it was an extremely hard decision to make. But we also thought, well, how do we do something redemptive with this story? And Sarah and I were thinking, you know, for at that point, eight years, we've had hundreds of families reaching out to us, a lot of them newly diagnosed with kids with different diseases saying, what's it like in the hospital? How do we survive this as a family? You know, what, what's it going to be like on our marriage? What's it going to be like for the other siblings? And so there's this little phrase in writing um, called show, don't tell, right? You can tell someone I'm struggling, but when you're willing to really show them what you're struggling with um, vulnerably, um, when you really open up like that, it makes a world of difference. And so we decided, how do we do that? And we thought, well, maybe we show people what it's actually like to walk through this. So Sarah called some friends of ours um, in Florida who are filmmakers with NBC. And she just said, hey, is there any possibility you'd be willing to walk with us through this so that we can use it as a tool to let other families know they're not alone and to show other families how through this type of pain, you know, we can let it bring us closer together by God's grace instead of tearing us apart because there's such a high divorce rate and so many families are torn apart through chronic disease. And so, you know, we just thought maybe we could, could do that. Maybe we could sh not just tell people, but show people. And so we decided to, to make this film Bowen's heart. And it does, it chronicles just us making the decision to have that surgery and preparing as a family for it getting through the surgery, not knowing what the outcome would be um, and dealing with the real feelings that uh, Sarah and I both had and how it affected our marriage and how it affected our kids and where God's grace and redemption is in the midst of all of it. Hey, if you're wondering, um, can we survive this? Is it possible even to thrive in the midst of um, a family with a chronically ill child? Like, can we do this? Is there hope? Um, we're going to continue our conversation with Matt Hammett about Bowen's heart, because the answer to all those questions is resoundingly yes. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show featured on the Faith Radio Network. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share at MyFaithRadio.com. My guess is you spend a fair amount of time on social media. So where do you spend your time? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Well, have you followed or liked Faith Radio on those platforms? I would invite you to do so. I'm there as well. 
If you want to check out uh, my personal pages, you could connect with me individually. We would love to have you uh, use the resources that we have produced and are creating and posting on social media for you to share with others. We got all kinds of stuff from graphics to, you know, Bible verses. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff. Go check it out on your social media. Connect with us on Faith Radio's social media. And, you know, let's get the word out to others. All right. Back to the show. Again, thanks for listening. Love connecting with you at MyFaithRadio.com. Continuing our conversation with Matt Hammett. Um, you can find what we're talking about, um, more more about it, if you check out Bowen's Heart. If you just Google Bowen's Heart, you're going to get tons of information, but you can go directly to bowensheart.com and get connected. Bowen is B-O-W-E-N, bowensheart.com. Um, Matt, Let's uh, let's continue giving hope to families who are struggling, to couples who are struggling, because this is um, this is really a celebration of life. It is not just about survival, but it's about thriving. Um, there is hope. Um, yeah. Yeah. When there you is know, hope. when Romans five uh, talks about how suffering, you know, leads to character and perseverance and hope. Paul also says that hope does not disappoint um, you know, we put our eternal hope in God and what he has and his plan for us. And we embrace his bigger story and we realize we're just stewards of what we're given here. Even the hard stuff. Um, we really do reap the, the reward, uh, not necessarily right. Like we're like in a physical way, we're still tired. We're still struggling, but spiritually we have seen as we've given this to God, uh, and trusted him with it. We have seen the reward in our family our children, uh, their character, their strength, the way they treat other kids with disability. Um, it's just, it's, it's grown them so much, you know, even through that adversity. And then in our marriage, even though there were times where it just felt like, like, Oh my gosh, this is so hard. Are we going to make it? Um, as we've remained faithful to God's plan and faithful to each other, we've come out so much stronger than we've ever imagined. And we've had the opportunity to take our testimony and share with other people. And as we've shared our testimony with other people about what God's done in our lives, just the reward of seeing community come together and seeing other people understand they're not alone and hearing the testimonies and stories of others who've been strengthened or inspired um, by just continuing to keep their faith in God that his story is bigger through it, um, even through the hard times. It's been Again, so difficult, but the reward far outweighs any of the difficulties that we faced. Um, Bowen has followed in your musical steps. Um, so tell people about HeartStrong and um, the HeartStrong Collective. Yeah. So when people, um, you know, watch the movie, they'll, they'll see kind of this little part in there where we're recording an EP for Bowen. And that was kind of his wish leading into his third surgery. He just was like, Hey, I really want to record some of these songs that I've written, which obviously, you know, makes me proud. Cause like you said, <laughs> following in dad's footsteps, I think that's pretty cool. Um, but he, uh, went in the studio with me and some, uh, other producers that I'm friends with. And we put together this three song 
EP and then Zach and Lexi Reed, who were the directors of the film, actually were willing to do a couple of music videos, which are at bowensheart.com, which you shared. Thank you. Um, and so it's been really neat for me, not just to have him make that music or make those videos and see how much he loved being able to just partake musically and in you know, everything we did. But also now it's really cool because when I go and share my story and I'm able to sing and then I, I'm able to tell about what Bowen's doing and bring him out on stage with me and have him sing with me. And that has just been an incredible opportunity for us to be able to do something really special together with the story. When we're on stage singing together, it's like, man, I mean, that's there's nothing like it. That's so great. We we recently talked to Jerry Jenkins, and that's the way he now feels about Dallas. He's like, I just like that he's out there doing his thing now. It's fun. It's yeah. fun to see the generational thing happening. Okay, so um, you have other kids. If um, if each of them had a movie, what would its title be? Oh my gosh, <laughs> man, that is so interesting. Well, the one would be Emmy's Cookies because she works for a cookie. Uh, company and she loves making cookies. <laughs> I love that. Lewis would be definitely uh, something to do with basketball. I I, I don't know uh, Lewis's what that hoops, would be. Maybe hoops with Lewis. What's that? Hoops with Lewis. Yeah, Lewis's hoops. Yeah. <laughs> and then Claire. Oh man, Claire. It'd be well, it'll be Claire Camp for sure because Claire does these camps in the neighborhood where she invites all the little kids to come and do crafts and watch movies and it's it's really sweet. I love that. That's so fun. See, now that those are people I want to hang out with. Claire, Claire's Camp, Hoops with Lewis, and Emmy's Cookies. I mean, you know, that all sounds like a good time as well. It um, is, man. We keep, keep busy around here. <laughs> it's so fun. So um, September 9 is fast approaching. Um, by my count, Bowen's 12th birthday. Yep. Uh, over 30% of kids born with um, HLHS do not survive to their fifth birthday. Um, did you think you would get here? You know, I was in the beginning fairly stoic in a way because I felt like I had to be strong for my family. And, you know, th there's a moment that that's in the film where we got a call that his heart had stopped beating in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, it was like, I just, I didn't know. You know, there's been two moments like that um, in his life um, where we just we didn't know if he was going to make it. And it kind of shook that that core of me being able to control anything. Um, but even though there were those scares, you know, overall, we have been so blessed in this journey to be able um, to have Bowen do as well as he's done. So there were moments that of course, you know, I, I wondered and I thought we'd, he was, I thought he was gone, but those make me far more grateful um, for all this time. So who knows, you know, James, we, I was just in a Bible study yesterday morning with James chapter four, you know, about um, nobody knows it's going to happen tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so um, we're just trying our best to be grateful for today. Amen. Amen. Um, living with uncertainty um, about our kids is, is a challenge. Um, but there's a lot of hope for Bowen's future. And so, um, you know, talk about the hope that you have, not only for your child and your children, but talk about the hope you have for the future. Absolutely. 
Yeah, you know, the world is um, a kind of a crazy place. You know, we're seeing so much division and uh, kingdoms rising and falling and, all, you know, things that have been happening since the beginning of the world. But, you know, it's really right in front of us. We're so connected um, and we see things playing out that, you know, we often wonder, you know, where are we at <laughs> in this this timeline? And, you know, I think in all that, it does continue to remind me that it's, and again, it's like, it's so easy to say, it's not as easy to do, I know, but it does remind me that this eternal hope is all that we really have. Um, again, you know, and Paul says, hope does not disappoint. When we can really put our hope in Christ, it's the only thing that does not disappoint us, despite what the news is saying in front of us. And, you know, when, when I look at even just Bowen, when I look at this from a, a physical standpoint, Bowen's future, we have so many people who, you know, have been through this, who help us and are helping our kids through these difficulties, this community that we've built that comes around us. And, and then they also remind us of where our hope is, you know, that regardless of what happens tomorrow, that we do have this hope that one day God will redeem all things that, you know, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And I guess the older I get, I remember my mom used to say when I was a kid, she's like, Oh, I just can't, you know, can't wait for, you know, that moment when, <laughs> when Christ comes and, you know, makes everything new. And, and I used to think, well, you know, I just want to, I want to, you know, your kid and my, my kids say the same thing. My teenagers like, oh, I want to get married and I want to, you know, have a life on earth. But it's like the older I get, the more I resonate with that. My heart just says, come mm-hmm. Lord Jesus. Um, that is our hope. And I don't know how people thrive. Um, they, they, with, I don't know how, I don't know what I would do without him. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know how others live without him. And I would def- definitely say even in this moment, you know, if there's anybody out there who's living life apart from your creator and apart from Christ, um, he's, he's waiting with open arms to receive you. And I would hope that today that you'd give your life to him and experience the hope that we're talking about. I love that. Um, Matt, I'm going to give you um, a few seconds here. Just, I don't even have a question. I just have a name um, and it's Sarah. Yeah, (laughs) man, you know, my wife, Sarah is honestly such, uh, I don't even know where to start. There's so much, man. She is compassionate, but she's strong. Um, she fights for our kids. She fights for our marriage, which I love, you know, sometimes I think, well, why do we got to talk about all these things, you know, and, and, and mill over or, or address every issue, you know, and I think she's not fighting against us. She's fighting for us. She's always been willing to put aside comfort to fight for her family. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful um, to have a godly wife who loves our kids, who loves me, um, who's never willing to, to stop fighting for the best that God has for us. And, uh, mm-hmm. and we are, incredibly blessed Bowen and the kids are blessed to have her as a mother and I'm blessed to have her as a wife. Um, and people will see that I, I have, I've actually have a book called lead me that I wrote. Um, and her voice is in there. Um, and, and <laughs> I love when people say, I love Sarah's voice. Um, cause she's just so honest and she's so real and so also so welcoming. So I'm blessed. That. Matt, what a joy, um, to meet you today. Thank you so much. Um, for joining us here on Mornings with Carmen. Again, uh, you guys uh, check out the website, Bowen's Heart, 
Matthamon.com. Uh, check out the movie. Check out, well, check check it all out. Matt Hammett, uh, <laughs> what a delight. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Carmen. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. Hey, thanks so much for our time together today. Maybe you want to share today's show with somebody else. Use, uh, use the podcast to do that. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.